Welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty. I'm here with my co-host, Daniel Quinn, Courtney Staples, and Christopher Brunty. On today's episode, we are finishing up our foray into the world of a thousand battleships brought to you by Kaiser. Remember that if you want to create worlds with us or have us create your world, you can always go to worldbuildwithus.com, can click on the submit prompt button and fill out the form and we will build your world like we're doing today. So the last time we left off, we had a whole bunch of battleships, guys, and uh, we had the the twist of it's a trap. So how are we reconciling it's a trap with our episode today? Who wants to start us off? I can. I wanted my battleship, well, my faction's flagship, to literally be something that creates traps. Oh, okay. That's uh, interesting. So uh, a little bit of, you, you know how I love conspiracy theories and everything. It's true. Uh, one of the theories of why the Bermuda Triangle happens is because of sudden release of methane pockets. Okay. And what it does is it causes the ocean to... Uh, kind of foam and rapidly destroy the buoyancy of ships. So it like sinks the ships as they travel through them. Correct. It's why mm. if you find certain, it will even sink planes because suddenly oh, everything wow. about the physics of the scenario is wrong. You can't be lighter than the methane and you're flying through a pocket of methane. You just sink. Interesting. Oh, damn. Okay. And what I wanted it to do is that uh, my, faction or whatnot is while they have a flagship on the surface most of their civilization slash group is in underwater like areas growing farms and everything and what they do is they just collect methane from both the animals the people and the plants and pretty much bacteria and then they will purposely sabotage a ship and they have caused some of this kind of mythology of certain areas the surrounding submarines you mean no or no because people don't giant. know that it's submarines it's just the submarines go below them and rather than torpedo them or cause explosions they rapidly sink them with methane oh that's cool mm. okay that is horrifying in a world that's full of battleships so yeah that seems quite strong and since it's um, so fast they barely even get communication off so it it's not like they have time to radio for help or say what's happening. It's just like, all's clear. Boom. Why did we just sink? What's mm. going on? Uh, they're like Damn. mermaid raccoons. <laughs> Wait, where do you get raccoons from, Daniel? Nope. That's canon now. Raccoons to trash, trash to gas, gas to methane. Okay. I guess logic right there. Uh, yeah. uh, all right. Sure. So, Chris, I actually have a question for your faction here. Yeah, what too. is their functional purpose within the greater ecosystem of the world? Oh, I'm glad that you asked. Uh, since they are sinking ships, but also have a society that is built upon salvaging things, they're getting stuff from under the water of like sunken ships, minerals, equipment, uh, or resources. Even uh, I believe you were talking about how there was a need for wood rather than planting wood. I feel like they are just gathering some sort of fibrous uh, kelp from the bed. So essentially their function is like a scavenger, but, and like a reseller of sorts, correct? You say scavenger, I say ambush predator, tomato, tomato. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I mean, a hyena is basically what we're, we're dealing with here, right? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I can see something like that happening in a world that is as brutal as the one that we're dealing with, for sure. Mm -hmm. What is the, your faction's relationship to the other people in play? So, like, for example, the big rig place and other, like, um, for, and the, 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 what are the people that we created that live inside the ships and coordinate internally all the systems i think that's a universal i don't think that's a specific faction the one that people who are stuck in iron lungs right so do, do you have those in your ships and how do they relate to the rig oh if i was going to use them i'd probably make them as guided torpedoes because i really want to drive it home that they are 
not the best people in the world. I was going to say, you mm. created the baddies is what we're hearing. Yeah, those sound pretty yeah. terrible. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. yeah. They oh, just the seem kind of, they're just raccoons. They mean, they're not bad. <laughs> yeah. Daniel, I, they, they only drown people, you know, like by the hundreds, if not thousands. Yeah, they're not that bad, Daniel. Maybe on, they deserve to be drowned. Yeah, I, maybe they're seeing how they well, only do it in certain well, areas. Maybe they're just trying to tell you not to go in that area. From yeah. my your choice. Yeah. From my perspective, the Jedi are evil. <laughs> from my like, perspective, I, 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 anyone else can be evil. Oh my God. <laughs> Daniel, this these are not the people you want to back, okay? I'm Thank you, Daniel. I maybe, love you. Maybe the people on the ships are like imperialist assholes. We don't know. Well, speaking of imperialist assholes, why don't you tell us if your ship is full of imperialist assholes, Daniel? <laughs> Mine actually is not. Would you like to hear about my ship, though? I, I want Well, if they're not imperialist assholes, what might they be? What faction is getting drowned by the thousand by Chris's me- weird <laughs> methane traps? <laughs> I don't think actually. Well, I guess mine could be aware of those traps, but they could fall victim to it as well. Um, I did have a, a uh, mine ties into the twist, though. My solution to the twist, at least. Uh, yeah, that's that's totally fine. Go ahead. Okay. Um, when I was thinking about the twist, I was thinking back to um, that scientist we had created who had discovered a cure to infertility. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And from what I remember, like they didn't want to have it handed over to the to the big rig. I forget what we called the rig. The rig with the Polaris. You know, Polaris. The, yeah. Polaris. Yes. So we, they didn't want to hand it over to that because. Um, you know, they, they didn't really know what they would do with it. And the leadership is not necessarily corrupt, but they have like longer term um, military goals to keep stability, I guess. And the because they have a religion they created to support that. Mm-hmm. Um, so my thought was, well, they decided to flee to a group that controls submarines that are outlawed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with the hope that those people would help keep the information safe or get it to the to the rest of the factions out there. That way it's not held by one group. See, but good guys. But it's a trap. So the the submarine people, um and now your guys they're your guys are on actual submarines. Oh yeah, I wanted like the flagship is really just their one main home that everyone sees them as smaller than they actually are. Mm-hmm. Because they but just it is have a submarine. one. Yeah, no, no, no. The flagship oh. is a regular ship. It's okay. just surrounded by submarines. But they have submarines. Okay, so maybe what I what I'll do is merge my thought with yours. So I'll just give it some more because mine were submarines. So I'll give it some more background. I was going to make them like extremely zealous. So like they believe in the religion to more of an extent than the ones on Polaris, and they mm-hmm. believe in bringing about an apocalypse. And Ooh, so fun. when that scientist gets to them. Um, she thinks that they're going to be able to deliver the information to all the other factions because they're on submarines. But in fact, they want to use it to create a um, super iron lung who will disrupt all the other siren lung ships. So when they can bring their their flagship to other naval ships, that super iron lung genetically engineered can disrupt the other ships nervous systems, basically. So we're creating like a super hive mind that can over you're 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 basically making the Borg, Daniel. Um, I mean, not a Borg. So like I think they want to make more like a, a Dune Messiah character out of the genetic okay. engineering. So that mm-hmm. one person on that one flagship can be near other ships and then disrupt the other iron lungs on ships. I see. I see. All and right. So they're making a kid's head hatterack. Is that what? Is that what yes, that's exactly what I was thinking about. I, so how does it bring about the apocalypse in their eyes? Is it just a matter of killing everybody? Um, I don't know, but I guess we talked about the submarines as being weapons of mass destruction. So I imagine mm. using them will be the apocalypse, but they're waiting for having like their their genetic uh, messiah to do that. Mm. They're just waiting for the right messiah to come along and kind of make <laughs> things happen for them. Gotcha. Um, I re- I recognize that we dove a little bit too fast into factions, but because we haven't gone back and reconciled the twist yet. Well, Daniel kind of did. Uh, Courtney, what was your reconciliation for the twist? Um, so mine also had to do with uh, fertility. And mm-hmm. so last time we established that there's a lot of infertility and difficulty with childbirth. Um, and also that the Polaris station rig um, has 
much more advanced like radio tech so they can communicate over a longer distance mm -hmm. and my idea was that they have kind of established themselves as like a safe place for the very few people who are pregnant to give birth because oh. they're like a stable stationary spot but the the trap there would be that they are actually stealing the infants and claiming that they were like stillborn or there was a complication oh. right after the birth so that oh. they are constantly like getting some at least influx of population and leaving the other factions to not have any that's really interesting so from what i'm what i'm kind of understanding is that all of the factions go there with with people to give birth right and then mm -hmm. And then it's like the womb of the world is basically what this thing is. And then I'm assuming that it's not all of the babies, but like a yeah. certain population, like a percentage that they've got to like, like let some through, obviously. Otherwise well, they people would be like, wait a second. Right. right, right. Let's, if you add the potential of genetic defects or mm. screening for certain things, they could literally just take what they see. It's just like, mm, this is a strong one. Yeah. Like only taking the healthiest ones. Right. Yeah. And then, and then of course what you do with those babies is, you create an army, like obviously, like that. Obviously. That's got to be the yeah, the, the natural <laughs> mm -hmm. progression. You don't steal babies to like let them grow up free and happy. Like that's not what you do when you fucking steal babies. I wonder then if there's some connection between um, the submarine group and then and them then, since they're stealing babies. Like, are they opposed to each other? Are they in, in league with each other? Mm. Ooh. That is an interesting question, Daniel. Yeah. And I probably see, also not guys are not evil. Like <laughs> okay, I probably also would have to say like it's not genetic engineering, but cybernetics, since that genetic oh, yeah. engineering isn't yeah. on the table. But so I'll say it's cybernetics then that they're trying to achieve that with. Mm -hmm. Sure, we can we can go that way. That's fine. Um, interesting. Okay, do we have any other way of reconciling the twist? No, I think we seem to like the idea of things being unex not what you expected. Like, obviously, that's mm -hmm. the definition mm -hmm. of a twist, but like the opposite of what they intended is what the case is. Sure. I, I can deal with this. Uh, you're all going to have to trust me. I'm going to bring up my twist later on. So, um, or, or my reconciliation with the twist is going to be coming later. So just trust me for mm -hmm. the time being. We're going to move on to factions, and I'm actually going to start with mine because... I have to skip my twists or my reconciliation for the time being. Um, I remember Courtney and I having a brief, you know, little quick back and forth real quick last episode about how entertainment is something that you never see in world building. And so I have decided to make my faction all about entertainment. Uh, I, I'm tentatively calling them the troubadours. And they are a, uh, they're a roaming people who go around to the outskirts of like the ocean and they basically put on shows for people and for, for pay essentially. Right now, the idea that I had in mind is that their flagship is actually two aircraft carriers that have basically been fused together and they're painted in naval camouflage, which if you don't know what that looks like it kind of looks like uh, carnival paint. So it's, it's to confuse, uh, you know, like enemy captains as to which way your ship is going. And mm -hmm. I took that step, I took that a bit, uh, that step a bit further and decided that uh, the, it's, it's actually carnival colors. So from the distance, this ship, which is like massive and two aircraft carriers worth of ships, in, in like red and yellow paint that is incredibly vibrant and bright. It's like the opposite of trying to be camouflaged. It is in fact like trying to get your attention. And the reason that I went with two aircraft carriers, because aircraft are terrible in this setting, they don't work because of the rust storms, mm -hmm. is the aircraft carriers themselves are actually perfect for offering a large space for people to walk around on. So when the aircraft are together, it's the closest thing that you can get to walking down like a carnival fairway. So on the top, you're going to have like carnival games and, you know, like amphitheaters with shows going on. 
And that's only the entertainment up top, right? Down beneath, you have uh, drug dens, you have gambling pits, you have uh, sex workers, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. This is essentially uh, a giant, you know, like, it's a giant casino that's on a ship, but also for people who are just completely like dreading everything about life in this horrible, horrible setting. Also, uh, you might be thinking to yourself, Rob, with no weapons, with no like, you know, uh, methane bombs or anything like that, how do they protect themselves? And well, that's because their flagship has the last remaining working nuclear bomb in the world. And <laughs> so yeah. they, they are a walking neutral zone because sure, you might be able to take them out, but you're probably going down and half the world with them. Uh, so wherever anyone goes, they're like, okay, this place is cool. Be cool. Don't upset them. Like they will absolutely nuke the shit out of us. Don't let it happen. And so they can, they're, they're like a weird kind of like smuggler faction as well. So if you want like stuff moved in and out of places without being seen, these are the people that you come to because they're the only ones who can basically let that happen. So they, they kind of like, given that they have their secret power, do people know they have this, this weapon at hand? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's okay. the thing that keeps everyone off their back. Okay, so, so like they like, can kind yeah. of talk to any faction and not be worried because yeah. they, they know nobody's going to double cross them. I like exactly. think that it's fake. Uh, <laughs> do you really want to make that? Do you really want to make that call though? No, no, but that's what mm. I love. It's just like, yeah. well, maybe it's not. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like outside of the propaganda of Polaris, this is one of the few places that has entertainment on the seas. So, like, when people see this ship, they're like, oh, thank God, we can actually have some fun for a little bit. And or it's like, OK, now it's time for me to enact my secret smuggling plan or like, oh, time to get some opium to get me through the rest of this shitty life that I have on the sea. You mm -hmm. know, like stuff like that. I imagine that, like, um, music would play a big role in attracting people too. like mm -hmm. if you're just on this wide open ocean and then far off, you just start hearing music out of nowhere um you're probably gonna want to head in that direction or obviously if you know what it is then you would but why um, am i picturing giant speakers that are yes. just blasting ccr's fortunate son so it's like <laughs> oh my god or, or like just like for some reason like 70s dad rock non-stop is what i'm thinking of <laughs> I, um, I could see that yeah for some reason, I have an image of someone. No, I'm not saying this in the actual individual, but it's someone who looks <laughs> like they're dressed like the QAnon warrior. Oh, the shaman outfit. guy, Daniel. For the yeah. love of fucking god, how many times do I have to tell you it's the shaman, not uh, the warrior? Okay. Oh yeah, shaman, QAnon shaman. My mistake. Mm -hmm. Oh my there god, Daniel. Oh We're, okay, for a moment. If it was... happens again, you're off the podcast. <laughs> I'm saying it now. <laughs> I mean, Rob is Q, so he's he's speaking the truth there, you know. Yeah, exactly. If I were Q, I would have so many more followers on this podcast. Like, let <laughs> you me don't tell want you. to have followers. That's your whole plan. It's okay. Anyway. Trust the plan. <laughs> yeah, trust the plan. Yeah, trust we gotta plan. trust the plan exactly. Okay, so so that my faction is is that's pretty much my entire faction. I I thought about this and I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go. We need this. I like them because they're like glue in, in the setting, you know, like yeah. they can connect a lot of stuff. Yeah, I decided mm -hmm. to go with some like decidedly neutral. So it's like they have leeway to go and do pretty much whatever they want. You yeah. Know? And they can be a nice set piece for like adventures, especially when you have whatever parties are traveling through. The of area. course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like that's their, their entire flagship is just one big plot hook. It's like <laughs> you can you can do or or like plot anything like, oh, do you need to rescue someone who's been kidnapped? Guess what? They're probably on the smuggler ship. Do you need to kidnap someone and smuggle them out? Guess what? You need to go to the giant smuggler ship. I'm not sure if you purposely did this, but the aircraft carrier, I, f I feel like just with the huge flat platform that they will just refer to it as the stage. 
Oh, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The other thing that I really wanted to evoke with the idea of like a, an aircraft carrier is this idea of like, you're walking down a carnival midway, you know, where like it's one long strip and on each side of you, there are games and there's like food and there's fun and lights and everything that's going on. I don't think I'd go so far as to also add in rides because I feel like mm-hmm. the windstorms would like rip a Ferris wheel off like yeah. really fast. Um, so I think like fairly low to the ground. And if you lose a tent or something like that, then that's fine. But like, that's kind of the basic idea that I would have. In the center part, right where the ships kind of meet, I want there to be a smaller ship that is that one that rocks back and forth, though. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, no, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, we got Daniel's faction. We got through my faction, uh, Chris's faction. So Courtney, you're the only one left with your faction. Yeah. So um, speaking of conspiracy theories, actually, mm-hmm. um, my faction was inspired by one um, called the Philadelphia Experiment, which is where supposedly a ship at the naval shipyard in Philadelphia was rendered invisible somehow for a period of time in um, early 1940s. And obviously there's a lot of, a lot of detail that I'm weaving out there, a lot of craziness around the theory. Um, but I really like the idea of a faction that used cloaking devices, mm. um, but to keep it in line with the more realistic tech route that we're on, um, I don't picture the devices as providing like flawless invisibility, but more so um, maybe they like warp light and radar waves in such a way that in certain conditions, like perhaps in those very frequent storms on this world, um, they become like nearly impossible to detect until they're right on top of you. Mm, That's fun. I like that Mm -hmm. idea. The Philadelphia experiments. So, okay. So, so question what is their function in this world? Or are they like pure like mercenary slash pirate types or something like that? Like what's the purpose of cloaking tech in this world? I saw them mostly as pirates, um, though I imagine that with the things that they steal off of the ships, they would probably sell that elsewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I don't picture them as being quite as murderous as uh, some of the other factions that have been mentioned. (laughs) Looking at you, Chris. Mm. Whoa, whoa. (laughs) It makes me wonder, like, technically the the ocean killed them. (laughs) It makes me wonder what's the um, most dominant or largest faction, or is it just like lots of little factions? Like, is there, I'm trying to think in my mind, what's the composition of the whole setting? Is there, Mm -hmm. is there like the big, um, Empire versus a bunch of little settings or is it little factions or is it a bunch of little factions? Like who controls Polaris? A bunch of questions I have now. So I, yeah. I, the way that I see it is that Polaris is like the neutral zone where all of these factions come and like they're essentially fighting over Polaris, right? Like constantly. And the way that I see it is that there's not really an empire so much as the world itself, as, as the title implies, it's a land of a thousand battleships. So it's like, I imagine that there's a thousand different empires, each with its own flagship and none of them are particularly larger or I I wouldn't actually say that, but like, I wouldn't say that one is like super dominant compared to the others. So I just like capture the flag kind of deal where like each faction is trying to have their turn at controlling Polaris or is there um, a stability in Polaris if some particular faction controls it? I think that the stability of Polaris is what makes Polaris Polaris. You know what I mean? Like it's the fact that it's neutral and doesn't hold favor to any particular uh, empire or ship or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, so it's I, like a faction to itself. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like if somebody were to make advancements on it as, or like attack it in some way or try to, grab it then a lot of other factions would be like whoa whoa you're not doing that yeah i think to try and take polaris is to try and take out every other empire at once basically yeah or i guess to draw like a parallel to the real world like since um 
since Polaris is based on a religion, it's almost like a Vatican City type deal where mm. oh, okay. they exist and they kind of do their own thing. And if you were to infringe on that, a lot of people would be pissed off. That's actually an comparison. Yeah. Are there like representatives from each faction that are usually there to confer with whoever's manages the maintenance of Polaris? That could be cool. Like a embassy type thing. I was thinking of it as like a marketplace, you know, where every faction among the marketplace has their own little stall and they represent what, you know, their, that particular faction is all about. Uh, I could see all the different factions besides the ones that we've handled here being all the different fleets or battle groups throughout the world and naturally them dispersing either by nat- nationality or just by a uh, position that they were when shit went down, essentially. So, like, the Pacific Fleet could be its own group, even though it has national ties to uh, something that's halfway across the world. Mm -hmm. But as communications broke down and they handled there, there was a lot of kind of falling out. There could even be different captains of each ship that then went like, I don't know. Fuck you. I'm leaving this. This you're you're not you're not doing what I believe is the right course of action. Yeah, I mean, mutiny yeah. is common amongst, you know, the, the naval-faring folk, I would imagine. At yeah. least these ones in particular. And I, I believe to build upon what you were saying of Polaris being uh, its own entity, Polaris is of strategic importance in everything. So if anyone were to invade it, it would probably be on a troop scale as opposed to a bombardment by the ships. So mm-hmm. Polaris has been occupied, but not quote unquote conquered. That's a good point. I, yeah. I think also to remember that because of its greater than normal uh, radios as well, like it can get more people to help it if it's in need mm-hmm. than like the average ship might be able to, you know, it, it, which makes sieging Polaris nigh impossible, which is why it's probably never been taken over. Since you say um, it's it's occupied, um, that suggests that raises more questions for me. So, like, is is the maintenance crew, whoever maintains Polaris, um, are they perhaps remnants of an old government that's no longer no longer really has power? Um, and then also the question of like, where did the land go? Why is there a water world? Um, I just wonder: is this a setting that's set in actual history in some way, like an alternate history? Or are we constructing a pure fantasy? Like it's it has trappings from World War from the World Wars, but it's not really on Earth. So it's looking divergent at this point, but mm-hmm. also I'm not sure if we discussed what Polaris was, but I think to keep it neutral from even the get-go, as opposed to being from one government, it could be all governments and be a research station. Mm-hmm. See, I, I actually think I liked Courtney's idea of keeping it religious. That way, like there's an inherent neutrality to it. Not to say that religion is neutral, but to suggest that it would give people a reason to want that area. And also it would give a power structure within Polaris to makes, it makes more sense for me to me to have like an inherent power structure surrounding religion. Like all of the zealots that we've been talking about, I I can't see why they can't have all originated in some way or some form from Polaris, at least most of them. I don't know how long we've discussed time has gone on. You could have a station that began by scientists and then slowly the religion was built up based Mm -hmm. on uh, the God of science kind of thing or whatever was the most prevalent that people found mm-hmm. faith and comfort in. Yeah, I could I could definitely see something like that happening for sure. So the suggestion here is either this is some form of alternate history where things were dramatically different prior to this moment in history, or it's actually very far in the future and maybe history stopped around the time of the world wars. I'm I'm assuming because we've already kind of hinted at post-apocalypse that this is inherently a post-apocalyptic situation that we're dealing with. And the post-apocalypse happened somewhere around World War II. That's right. That's my basic assumption that I'm dealing with at the moment. But so this is really this is basically a post-apocalypse. We're, we're setting this in the far future of the current human timeline. So it's an alternate history. It's set in the, in the distant future. 
how how is a distant future when we're dealing with the 1940s? We still have like the tech and the ships from mm-hmm. that era, but it's gone. Like time has passed to the point where um, a different groups have become established, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, the religion and. Oh, uh, see, I would I would argue that we're probably dealing with not too far from where we are right now. Uh, you know, like the timeline essentially forked around the 1940s where the post-apocalypse, sorry, it forked around the 1940s where the apocalypse happened. And then it really only took about, you know, three to four generations for things to kind of pop up. Religions, cults and stuff like that pop up with relative like speed, especially when there's need involved. I mean, in that one book, 30 seconds to midnight or whatever it is, it's like <laughs> cannibalism, wolves, oh my God. packs of people. One second after. Thank you. Guys. It's like literally two days later. Yeah. Like uh, I would yeah. at least want something that's somewhat realistic, which yeah. is like, I, I would probably say we're in the 2040s with this particular timeline. Oh, yeah, but, uh, uh, a near future is what I'm what I'm trying getting yeah. getting at is that yeah. it's, no, we're not situating the story in 1940 alternate history. We're no. saying no, no, this no. is the I, result of a, an alternate history that forked in 1940. Yeah, yeah, I could see it if like I'm thinking of it as if uh, World War II ended with a enormous calamity, like uh, somebody constructed some sort of super weapon that mm-hmm. flooded the earth or that instantly melted the ice caps or something <laughs> in that way. Like, okay. I I'm just thinking that every Nazi super weapon that like comic <laughs> books talked about basically came true or they used the holographic moon device that they had. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes sense. That it had to have been some super weapon that melted the polar ice caps or something, something that caused like, the mm, environment to collapse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, realistically, what we're dealing with here is basically just Fallout Waterworld edition. Like, that's the way that I'm kind of approaching it. Problem is yeah. too much water. Yes, yes, exactly. And also less nuclear radiation overall. Yes, yeah, I think yeah. so. I mean, maybe the the massive waters managed to cloak whatever nuclear fallout we've had, you know, as a result. One of the things, sorry uh, to cut you off, that I wanted to talk about is I was recently listening, and Rob, you probably listened to this too, uh, the sinking of the Indianapolis. Wow, I can't say that Indianapolis? Oh, you mean the sinking of the USS Indianapolis on last podcast on the left? Yes. You're welcome, you son of a bitch. Thank you. And (laughs) the... And kind of how they went extra crazy because it was days without food and drinking salt water, which somehow just destroys your brain very yes. quickly. Yeah. And um, so Chris is referencing the, uh, an episode of last podcast on the left where there was a sinking of the ship USS Indianapolis around. It's basically the very end of World War Two and how there were eleven hundred men on board. 300 died within the initial blast and sinking and then 500 more died waiting to be rescued. And these are men who are basically in the water for, I think it's like three to five days and with little to no food and the, the horror, like pure horror that comes from that situation is unbelievable. Go check out that podcast. If you are in the right mind space for it, but it's, horrifying of just the fact that within two days you have cannibalism people killing each other and drowning each other and just alienating people very quickly i i yeah i think that when it comes to very extreme situations being in the water and watching people around you being eaten alive by sharks and that mixed with starvation that mixed with sleep deprivation I can see that as being something that can happen, you know, like that. I mean, obviously it did happen, but I mean like that, like that situation makes a lot more sense to me of like the rapid degradation of any veneer of civility that people have. Well, whatever super weapons caused this too, um, initially massive amounts of water could mitigate, mitigate that. I think because like fallout, 
um, like is absorbed in water, basically. Um, I, I would like, like I said, I, I kind of don't want to go like the nuclear route. I feel like there's interesting, mm-hmm. there's more interesting ways that we can kind of go about it. You know, for some reason, I like the idea that like they just melted the polar ice caps, you know, like it may, maybe it was with nukes, but I don't know. I think that might be a, an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I don't really care what the weapon is. I'm just saying, like, the massive t- amount of water involved would erase a lot of the issues we have to deal with in terms of world-destroying kind of chemical or nuclear weapons. Yeah. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Uh, I think well, well, I, that does it for our factions, right? I think we're good. Mm-hmm. So I think with all that out of the way, we can move on to our main quest line. Now, for this, I actually had... Uh, the idea that we'd be introducing tenets to the main quest line so we can kind of give it a little bit more shape and uh, function. So who wants to give us the first tenet for the main quest line that we're doing here? Nothing can get better. <laughs> oh, I like that, actually. Uh, so, okay, if if this main quest line isn't about making things better, is it just about preventing them from getting worse or is it something else that we're dealing with here? I think that would be like the, like the epic adventure is to keep the status quo because for things to get worse would kill far too many people. Hmm. Or you could have it where you can have things get a little bit better, but you'll have to kill a lot more people. (laughs) <laughs> oh jesus is that what your submarine people are trying to do well the good guys yeah exactly <laughs> my, from my perspective yes that is what mm. that is exactly we're culling the world so we can leave more for the rest of us you know that kind of thing they they you know went deep underwater found the guide stones and took that as a sign oh the um, georgia guidestones. yeah the georgia yeah. guidestones. Okay, you know what? I, I like this idea that we're going with here. Why don't we run with it so we have to involve all of our factions in this main quest line in some way? I think that sounds like the way to start. So where do we do we want to start with Chris's weird Bermuda Triangle people? The submarine people? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. My, okay. my meth heads. Yes. Ugh. Okay, so... My idea is that if we're going to make Chris's folks that like anchor to this, right? My idea is that all of those ships that they've been sinking and then salvaging, they're taking all of those ships and they're trying to recreate a continent out of like salvaged ships. So all of the things that they steal for every like ship that they take, they like take a little bit or like for every two ships, one of them gets put away to try and create this land mass out of ships. Like it's a weird floating island, but out of battleships and whatnot. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. And what are they trying to, so they're trying to create a continent. Like what is everyone else's opinion of that? The other factions? I mean, this is, this is where we kind of, well, that's basically the quest idea, right? Is they have this thing is it they unveil this thing to the world? Like we've finally created a new continent or is it, Hey, we should stop them before this gets out of control or something else even. Well, I have to think about their motivation as a faction. Like we, my addition to them is that they're extremely religious and they're trying to bring about an apocalypse. So I would imagine they're constructing this land has something to do with that plan. Daniel, you finally activated my trap card. Uh, because you'll remember that I had to reconcile the twist. It's a trap somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. Guess what? This continent that they're making with all of the ships that they've stolen, they are marketing it as paradise. And it is a trap because that is where they're trying to gather everyone to enact Mm -hmm. their apocalypse. I bet. You know, so this is all tying together. So they've already lured in the scientist who has the cure to the infertility process. So we got to work yeah. in Courtney's faction at some point because I think mm-hmm. they're critical. But they've got the cure. They've created the cybernetic disruptor person, the iron lung, who can disrupt the other iron lungs. So when all these fleets come to see the paradise, they disrupt their all the fleets and make them all incapable of doing anything. 
and then they take them all out. And I would say that my troubadour faction are probably the Pied Pipers letting mm-hmm. everyone know that, hey, guess what? There's this new place that you can all come to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Either that or they might be the salvation of the situation in that maybe oh. they don't want the status quo to be destroyed. So they might be the only ones who can help. That's, That's what I was thinking for mine too, potentially, like maybe with their advanced like radar technology that they use to mask themselves, maybe they can also pick up this like enormous body of metal that's being built. So they know like, oh, something weird is going on there. That's interesting. Mm. I also wonder about your, 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 your mom factory, the ones that are collecting children. (laughs) Mom factory. How how do they factorize Well, Um, it's all out war. It's a war between Polaris and this new, this new continent, right? Where, now all of a sudden Polaris is their power as a giant neutral zone is threatened by this new continent that these other religious zealots are being like are marketing as, hey, this is Eden. This is New Paradise. Come live on New Paradise. What if in Polaris's kind of mindset, it's like, oh, well, if we don't st- steal these children, the other faction is going to steal them. So we might as well steal them. <laughs> oh, so they're the children are part of Polaris's faction. That's good to know. Like the whole yes. children stealing Delio. Yeah, good because yes. that means they're then they're then opposed by default to the the uh, Dune Messiah plan of the floating island or the island. Abs- yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what's okay? So we've got is we, we I feel like we have a great skeleton here, but I feel like we need to create something like a, a definitive like plot that's going to happen. Is it the on like, is it an oncoming war because of this new Island that's been made or is it something like, what's the action that's going on here? That's kind of what I'm trying to figure out. What was the, what was the general plot of red October? Uh, that there was a nuclear submarine that goes rogue and, the Americans think that it, they're coming to nuke them. And in reality, it's actually the captain uh, or the admiral of the submarine has defected to the United States. Mm, okay. I would love if maybe someone within the meth heads submarine raccoon mermaids faction <laughs> is in fact an ex Polaris like leadership person. Who has a personal vendetta? An ex mommy factory overseer. Yes. Just so you can <laughs> yes. add to that sentence. Oh my yes, God. We, because then you stop. have a personal stake, and so now you have characters. Okay, but in, in why don't we have this as a reverse, where someone from this new continent has escaped to warn Polaris as to what's happening, and the people that are being sent out include this person who is terrified to go back, but they're the only kind of oh. connection and way back in to it. You know, like so they I had mean, defected, they realized this is a bad thing. And now they're trying to make their way back out to warn everyone. Exactly. And then okay. it's now their job to turn around and go back into the belly of the beast where mm-hmm. they know that things are horrible and terrifying, even though it looks like paradise on its face. So they've got to, so now you have a cool chase scenario similar to Red October where you've got, there's a race against time that once these fleets get over a certain threshold, there's no turning back because the meth head raccoon mermaids will have um, you basically in their trap. Mm-hmm. We could also have it, okay, now we can just steal directly from Mad Max Fury Road. I was just thinking that too. Yeah, but instead of like badass like, you know, like truck and bikes and, you know, cars and stuff like that. It's on a boat. So now we have a Furiosa of the sea. And then there we yeah. go from there. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. And then you can even have the double back situation. You know, exactly. Yes, <laughs> that's that's exactly what I was thinking as well. Yeah. Oh, boy. <sighs> OK, so I think I think that ripping off Fury Road is our uh, signifier that we need to move on to the side quest. Now this is where we roll a bunch of dice and completely fuck with the setting entirely and kind of go from there. So I'm going to grab my dice. We're going to roll some of them and we're going to figure out what changes in this world. 
The first thing that we're going to change about this is the genre of the world that we're dealing with. I would say that we're kind of in a, a post-apocalyptic uh, like sci-fi world right now. And once I roll this die, we're now in a weird fantasy world. And um, I'm just thinking of the scar now because I feel like that is basically what we've created. But don't worry. We're going to come up with a theme uh, based around realistic World War II fantasy. Uh, the theme is corruption. And uh, let's see, the, the, the thing that we're focusing on for the side quest is a weapon. Okay, so we're going to keep a lot of the bones of this place, which is World War II uh, era ships, which I think we can get away with if we just call them like steampunk or like think of like weird cannons or something like that. Because, because we changed the genre, we can now mess with what these things even look like or are. They might not even be ships at all, but giant leviathans that have cannons for backs or appendages mm -hmm. or something like that. I have a, a good side quest that is also fantastical, but also brings in the World War II tech trans uh, humanism. Go, does it have to do with corruption as well? Yes. And a weapon? Mm, yes. Let's hear it, Chris. I am, I am chomping at the bit here. I was going to say uh, some group, maybe even Polaris, uh, wants to preserve humanity, correct? Mm-hmm. What if they made a hive mind that sole purpose was to preserve humanity, but you're telling something that doesn't understand humanity and its purpose to preserve it, in which case maybe it views uh, consciousness as humanity because that's what it knows it as. Mm -hmm. So instead of keeping humans free or what they are, it starts to go into a sense of the Borg-like hive mind of mm. trying to get them into all into one mind, one self, and to then put it in a protective place on Earth or, say, deep into the ocean. So it wants to encapsulate all of humanity in its hive mind, and it thinks it's doing a good thing, and that's why I, I, I see it as corruption. Okay. I love where we're going with this. I have an idea that we that will fit, I think. So I have this idea of literally preserving these people and literally preserving, uh, you know, humanity in that they're going to essentially alchemically pickle them. They're going to remove the brain and it's added onto some giant like mind flare brain pool and their physical bodies are going to be infused with some kind of alchemical brine. And who like now you have an army of brine zombies, but I want to give them more, I want them more ambulatory. So they're actually humans, but they're all connected by like a tether of some, like a physical tether of some kind. And because we're doing this as like a weird fantasy kind of underworld thing, I can imagine it as like, they're they're all connected like like your Borg idea, Chris. They're all connected via like kelp or seaweed, like essentially what are um, uh, tethers made out of these seaweed vine things. Like I think that we could do something like that where it's a literal hive mind. You know, can Courtney's children be attached to this somehow? Like her actual children, or. <laughs> The the ones that the Polaris has been um, stealing from people. I think, okay, we're basically, yes, Daniel, absolutely. It's Those all of the ones that they made disappear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so that's, that's exactly what that is. So all of the people, that's humanity's future. And those are the pickle people that are happening. But yeah, absolutely. They like grow them to be adults as pickles. Under the ocean. Yes. Oh God, that's horrifying. Yeah. Um, yes. And I imagine that these, yeah. Okay. 
I mean, basically what it sounds like to me is we've created the mind flare and the Githzerai or even the Githyanki, like, but on like an ocean setting and grosser because of the implication. So um, some sort of like weird Cthulhu elder god underneath the ocean kind of thing? Kind of. I mean, that would just be aboliths, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is a little bit different, but... My so so here's actually where I think my idea for this quest comes in, Chris. Is I, I know we said corruption, but the corruption is in the fact that uh, maybe the corruption itself is hope, and maybe it's these uh, this new generation of humanity have essentially decided that they're not going to be preserved anymore, and they're going to rise up and fight against the hive mind that is Polaris. Hmm. Hmm. Corruption of the idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know about y'all. I think that's about where we're going to stop it for today. Um, <laughs> thank you again to Kaiser for submitting uh, such a really cool and interesting prompt. Mm-hmm. I'm actually really happy with this, how, how this setting kind of worked out. Uh, sometimes like, hyper constraints, like only keeping us to World War II technology kind of forces us to think outside the box. And I feel like we did a really great job kind of playing with that concept a lot. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think in world building, restrictions are the key to making it work. Yeah, we would have to do a lot more research if we wanted to do like World War II tech more strictly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I feel like keeping it a little bit loose and just being like, add the restrictions if we went over. Yeah, I, I think that if we had any modicum of professionalism, that's what we would do. But luckily for us, we're we're not in that realm. Um, <laughs> so that'll do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website at worldbuildwithus.com and you can fill out the you can click on the submit prompt button and fill out a prompt there. You can always, if if you want to tell us how great we're doing, especially at like reads like this, you can always email us over at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. You can follow us at Twitter over at Let's World Build, or you can join our Discord server, or if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always give us money over on Patreon. Links for those in the descriptions of the podcast that you're listening to right now. Remember that we love you very much, and we're going to get through this together until next week. <laughs> <laughs>